1: Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. Blender HD, a.k.a. Hopefully on top of you on the DraftKings leaderboards on Sunday, not this past Sunday. Most of my players got injured, so I had a horrible week. Uh, Join with me, uh, as always, the the man behind the model at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson, The, the king of correlation, uh, and uh, and uh, instead of going into last week, because all all that, like you could just put up the poop emoji, and that's that's what happened to me last week. But uh, a lot of people have, have have written into the show and commented about. Uh, we talk a lot about correlation, and the 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 tool that you have on advanced sports analytics allows you to show the correlation between two players in the sample size that you have. Uh, opposing offenses opposing positions uh, and things like that so just I know it's it's week 10 and we, we've we gotten around to like showing the tool that that you you reference so often but uh, Stuart can you just go through exactly what these correlation matrices type look like if you go on ASA's site and use this tool?
2: Yeah. And so I think it's just also hyper relevant for the show. I mean, we discuss correlation a lot in terms of, uh, you know, numbers, uh, on some range between negative one and positive one. And it's not always clear, like what, uh, what that means or how that kind of manifests itself in, uh, the way players interact with one another in a game. And, uh, I think as we've discussed before, we, we do feel that there are, uh, player specific nuances that, cause correlations between players to maybe differ even when players are of similar position types. So I know you see, there's a lot of good information about, you know, wide receivers correlate with quarterbacks by this, you know, metric, uh, but understanding kind of what that looks like and how that manifests itself on like a week to week basis, I think is valuable. And we have made some updates to our player correlation app. Um, I think a good example that I was looking at just this morning, is uh, Jared Goff. You, you, could, you
1: could leave it as Goof. You could leave Jared Goff's name as Goof. That's perfectly yeah. fine.
2: He won't show up in the system if if spelled that way. Um, but um, I was looking at kind of Goff and how he correlates with some of his receivers. And, um, you know, we can find just with a correlation matrix. By looking at a matrix, we can see that Goff has this really strong uh, you know, 0.6 correlation with Cup. And some lesser correlation with Robert Woods, uh, pretty large sample sizes dating back to 2018. Um, We also added a a nice little column here that just shows the combined maximum that these two players have achieved on a single week. So, you know, it's interesting that cup and golf have this super strong correlation and have been able to achieve, uh, you know, a combined 82 and a half points on a given week where, uh, golf and woods. And, you know, I think of woods and cup as week over week, pretty similarly priced. Um, you know, woods and golf have this weaker correlation and in a, in the same week have never achieved uh, a total, at least dating back to 2018 or 66. Um, and I think it's just interesting to visualize that. So we added this uh, plot tab that allows you to just view the different data points, uh, of each week and, the combined or kind of uh, you know coordinate outputs of these different players. So golf have Goff on the X axis and Coop on uh, Cooper Cup on the Y axis. And you can see just like so clearly that when um you know correlation isn't causal, uh although I would I think you can make the strong case that like the quarterback is the cause of you know these quarterback wide receiver relationships. But you know in general, when golf achieves some ceiling game, uh cup with pretty high consistency and with fairly you know minimal noise or variance achieves relatively high scores for him um, as we're a guy like woods uh, you know we have instances kind of up here where we have golf hitting a ceiling game and woods you know putting up these uh, 30 plus fantasy totals but you know we also have instances where golf is hitting these uh, you know 30 40 point games and like woods is underwhelming so to speak kind of relative to uh his norm and maybe what we would expect from like a very strongly correlated receiver um so i think it's interesting you know there's just a flatter i think relationship between golf and woods like a golf ceiling performance doesn't imply as elevated of a woods performance as you could make the case it does with cup Um, and there's also just more noise i mean we have you know these 20 to 30 ranges where uh, you know, golf putting up 25 points could mean anywhere from 30 points for Woods. Um, but is, we've also seen golf put up, you know, 25 points and, you know, have Woods fail to reach double digits. So um, I think it's an interesting way of looking at things. And, um, you know, we always assume that, like, quarterbacks and wide receivers have this uh, positive correlation. But uh, we're also looking at Herbert this morning uh, and how he relates to Keenan Allen. I think we talked about on last week how there's kind of, at least in a small sample, been this negative correlation between what you would expect to be super strong positive correlates, and you know we got a, a tiny sample with these two, um, but I just found it interesting that uh, you know we do have this one game where Herbert just went for I think what 40, 41 and a half points, and Keenan put up you know a solid 25, um, but he has exceeded 25 at points uh, in this season, and um, you know if we remove this data point, like there's this pretty strong negative trend almost where Uh, in games in which Keenan excels have actually correlated with, you know, average at best. uh, In this case, I mean, Keenan's best game was Herbert's worst game. Um, You know, in this case, and I know this was the Keenan injury game, uh, but even kind of these points down here, I mean, these are just like really poor Keenan performances that are uh, in sync with, you know, not terrible Herbert performances. I mean, even this one, you know, this one right here is like, you know, at worst, an average performance for Herbert. So I think it's really interesting. We we do have, you know, the tool with kind of this uh, singular output metric to encapsulate, uh, you know, all the data points that we'd want to consider. But we have added this feature where you can actually look at the specific data points and really get a sense. Um, you know, correlation is a uh, uh, an attempt at being a linear uh, measurement. And sometimes, like we even saw, I think, with Woods, where there is kind of a Uh, point at which Woods has positive correlation with uh, golf, but then at a certain point, uh, you know, golf golf reaching like an excessive ceiling doesn't really help Woods. So uh, sometimes plotting it out allows you to see the non-linearities in players' relationships uh, where where correlation uh, just as a singular metric might fall short because it is a, you know, linear, linear measurement. So it, it attempts to apply a flat line or a straight line, um, you know, to a relationship that at times, uh, you know, could be parabolic, it could be, um, you know, exponential kind of increasing in return. So um, yeah, if you guys are interested, check it out. We uh, we will have it free open access um, for through the end of today. So if you want to use that with the uh, Tennessee Indianapolis game uh, could be useful. I think there's some interesting players too. Uh, check out. Uh, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how some of those Tennessee receivers correlate with one another, how Henry fits into the mix, um, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, check it out on the website.
1: Right. And if you're building your GPP lineups, obviously uh, to increase your ceiling, you want as much correlation, that positive correlation that you could get, so that when one thing happens, another thing happens. And the perfect way to do so is to uh, enter the uh, FanDuel single entry series. It's still going on. OK, so even if you missed it, I think this is the, this is the last week that you could get in if you if you haven't entered at all, because uh, uh, the top four combined scores for the weeks, because it's, it's been running since week six. So it's week six through 13. So if you missed any of the weeks, like you all you have to do is weeks 10, 11, 12, 13. And those four scores, the top five combined within each buy in tier. There's five dollar contest. There's a thirty three dollar contest. There's a hundred dollar contest. And if you're one of the top four, you go to 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 uh, to, to compete in a six man twenty k final. If you're the top two finishers in each tier, and that, that's all sponsored by by Grinders. So go to the Fanduel single entry series. It's in the lobby right now on Fanduel, and uh, obviously on this slate that we have uh, coming up now, it's it's just, do we? I mean, it's week ten already. Do we have to? You have to say that, like, well, half the games have over a 50 total. I mean, this is this is just this is normal NFL now. So, uh, you know, seeing totals that are 46, like, are probably not as appealing. So, uh, to start off the top on this slate, we we're going to talk about a couple of games. The first one is no doubt the most popular game on the slate. It's a Buffalo at Arizona. Uh, it's a tw- it's a 56 total. 29 implied points for the Cardinals currently, 27 for the Bills. I'm going to assume, uh, Stewart, that outside of maybe the Packers, who are a nearly two-touchdown favorite, that both Arizona and Buffalo are the, probably second and third on your uh, most likelihood of scoring the most points. And you're a mute.
2: So yeah, they're actually not. It's, um, it's worth noting. I haven't updated this since last night. So if there's been any morning moves um, that could be the reason why, but I mean, we have Arizona's third, uh, most likely to score the most points. Um, we have Buffalo uh, down at the 10th, most likely. Um, like I said, hasn't been updated um, since last night. So uh, perhaps could be the reason why. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, the Arizona side is somewhat intriguing. It's just, it's really expensive. And like, I don't know, I think for um, the price point that you can get the Arizona stack of like Murray Hopkins, Kirk, uh, you could also move up to uh, stacks that we have a higher uh, top score probability on, uh, Green Bay, most notably, um, New Orleans although I think there are some flaws in kind of the New Orleans stack is always tough to figure out because Breeze could go to so many different guys. You factor in Taysom Hill. Um, I don't know. For for me, there's just kind of better pricing on either side of Arizona, Uh, either going, I guess, down in relatively the same in price, but up in terms of uh, team total to Green Bay uh, or going slightly down in projected team total. uh, but also down in price to you know, a team like Los Angeles or uh, Las Vegas or Tampa or something like that. Um, I think another concern with the Arizona side is just that uh, historically like Hopkins and uh, Murray and you know, I know we don't have a huge uh, sample on them, but they haven't really correlated well. Um, I think they, they actually have over the season a negative 0.16 correlation um, and like, those are two really expensive pieces where, um, if that game is going to go off and you want exposure to that stack, uh, specifically those two guys, you really need both those guys to put up, ma- uh, you know, massive games. I mean, their max combined, uh, so far this year is about 70, uh, fantasy points. And, um, you know, I, I think when you're spinning up that high, at kind of those two positions, you for me, I would prefer to spend up on a pair of guys who just have better positive correlation. I think like Rogers and Adams are comparable uh, in price point, and they just also have you know this exceptional correlation where the um, you know explosion of Devonte Adams or the explosion of Aaron Rodgers you know implies the ceiling performance of the other, while an exceptional Kyler game doesn't necessarily imply, uh, you know, a standout Hopkins game. And we've seen Kyler put up his biggest totals as as a rusher. Um, You know, we've seen Christian Kirk take some of these highly valuable uh, touchdowns away from Hopkins. Um, I I guess for me, there's just better uh, correlative properties and better uh, team total for you know, a pair like Rogers and Adams compared to Murray and Hopkins. Um, Well, I think the the most popular in this game is going to be Allen and
1: Diggs. I think people are looking at this game, rightfully so. If you were to project this out, uh, Buffalo has one of the highest pass rates in the league, especially on first down. Arizona is one of the quickest teams in the league, runs the most plays. So, uh, I mean, that's the, I mean, obviously the total is 56. Uh, I think Allen plus Diggs is the chalk, not necessarily Murray. Like Murray on his own, will 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 be there. I mean, we may see naked Murrays. We may see Murray Kirks. I mean, we may. Uh, I think it's the stack is more likely to be used on the Buffalo side. You know, something like Allen plus Diggs plus Kirk, like something like that. Maybe not Hopkins. You want to keep the price down, but. Uh, I think from a lineup construction dynamic, I'm more likely to roster Allen with John Brown than I am with Diggs only because of Mike Davis. So Mike Davis is 4,000, right? So like he's going to be uber mega chalk. I mean, the Chris McCaffrey's out. He's minimum price on DraftKings. And with, with the passing game role, like he'll, he could be 60% owned in GPPs. And then we have Allen plus Diggs is probably the most popular stack. Like at least two. I mean, you may get three plus ones. You could could get stuff like that. But as far as just the quarterback to the wide receiver, well, in order to pay up for Allen and Diggs, you're probably going to have to play a 4K running back, which is Mike Davis. So most of the lineups that have Allen and Diggs have Davis. So if I were to play Allen plus Brown, even with Mike Davis, I can now pay up for like Devontae Adams, in a non-stack as a one-off and hope digs like Allen gets there through two rushing touchdowns and John Brown has a hundred yard game. Diggs is still sitting there with 18 points, but he's unnecessary. Like now, like that you bust those stacks yet the bills still do well. I think that's more of the route as far as in large field tournaments that I'm more likely to go if I play Mike Davis in that lineup. So it's like, if you want to play Allen plus Diggs, maybe Maybe you fade the the quote free square of the week. Uh, I mean, Mike Davis projects like probably probably the best comparable to salary as we've seen the entire year. So I'm not necessarily saying to fade him, but think in terms of what do your lineups look like if you're going to play Mike Davis as well as stack the chalkiest games and not just don't stack the chalkiest game, find something that's. Somewhat different. We have other 7K wide receivers that are gonna go less owned than Stefan Diggs. We have him currently at 24% ownership. There are other 7K wide receivers that are gonna be half of that or a third of that that could easily sealing. And uh Alan could still Allen could still have a good game without Diggs having a 30 plus point game.
2: Got it. So you think kind of the uh chalk build or construction will be super cheap at Davis using those savings to get up to a expensive quarterback receiver stack. And so you're interested in kind of flipping that and going with some sort of cheap receiver stack, paying up at running back. Or paying up
1: at other wide receiver. I could still use wide receiver flex. I'm not saying we're going to get to some vomit stacks that we could use, but even when you use the vomit stacks, you're probably going to be paying, you're doing that so you could pay up for a a premier running back and like two premier wide receivers, one in the flex or something like that. So I I don't think, I don't think you're, you're losing anything. If you, if you play the high price uh, quarterback, or if you play the low price quarterback, I'm just saying for this specific Buffalo stack that once I play Allen plus digs from Davis with Davis in there, and then maybe run it back with Christian Kirk. It's like, like it seems like I'm like half my lineup is like the stone chalk. And unless I'm gonna get really weird elsewhere, maybe I just find different pieces in this game. Obviously, the leverage play in this game is playing Zach Moss, right? We we have to see obviously what Chase Edmonds, what what Kenyon Drake's status is gonna be, because Edmonds is gonna be chalky if he's the only running back that's pretty much gonna get touches there. But Ed Edmonds is kind of negatively correlated to Murray anyway. So I'm Cause obviously the goal line carries. So like, I'm not necessarily concerned about Edmonds when it comes to this stack. I'm just more concerned about Allen plus diggs plus Davis in my lineup going like, is this, the, is this the best way to be? Should I try to be different elsewhere or should I just try to be different in the game? So I could at least still play, I could still stack the game, but not be like, not, not have my lineup duplicated by 20% of the entries in the contest
2: got it um yeah that makes sense um, i guess the, the buffalo side is at least in my estimation a little more reasonably priced than the arizona side so um but the next game the next game
1: you i i think the next game may go under owned the next game is right is right there 55 and a half total uh it's the seahawks at the rams the rams are favored by two points, 28.75 implied total Seahawks, 26.75 total. Uh, I'm going to assume I said it before. I mean, you had Buffalo 10th on your list and I think that's quite low for a 27 implied total. I mean, what, what, what does it look like for the Rams and the Seahawks?
2: Yeah. So we have, um, let's see, we have the Rams, uh, fourth highest behind green Bay, New Orleans, Arizona, um, it's, it's really pretty tight in this, uh, kind of middle tier, like Buffalo at 10th, most likely to score the most points and Arizona at third, most likely are only separated by two percentage points. So there's this kind of tier of like Los Angeles, uh, Raiders, Steelers, Bucks, Browns, Seahawks, Bills, where it's just like super tight. And there's not a whole lot separating um, them in terms of likelihood of scoring the most points. Um, yeah, I mean, I, to me, I think like Los Angeles is 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 well priced. I mean, they are not hardly any less likely to score the most points than Arizona. They've got you know a, a quite comparable total, um, and they're just they're cheaper. Um, you know, the, there's I think as we noted at the top of the show, like really great correlation between uh, cup and golf. Um, you know, Woods, I think, has uh I, I think of as more of like kind of an upside type player, but his upside is I'm not gonna say random, but it's just less uh, you know, less tied to the performance of Goff and for stacking purposes, um, you know, I think focusing on the guy who uh stands to have the greatest relative chance of reaching his ceiling when golf reaches the ceiling. Uh to me, like cup looks like that guy um and like to me this is a pretty uh you know pretty pretty good spot like i think just the pricing is 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 pretty decent um you know there are some cheaper options that uh have totals slightly below las vegas but if you want to get access to kind of this uh, top group of teams to me the rams seem like the cheapest option to do that um, and aside from maybe Rogers to Adams, uh, have you know the best QB to receiver correlation? Uh, I guess the fear that you would be concerned about is that Los Angeles can be quite run heavy uh, when ahead, uh, you know, if given the option. So I definitely think you want to be cognizant of bringing back, uh, you know, guy on the Seattle side. I mean, I think that goes without saying, but but really. Uh, you know, making sure that that we have uh, some strength on the Seattle side. And, um, you know, I, do we have a, a, any word on if Carson's going to play? Like, I think that could come in the form of even, uh, you know, Seattle leading. And, you know, if, if uh, kind of Russ Lockett Metcalf is going to be a potentially chalky combination of players, uh, maybe build around the script that the, ho- the total holds, but Seattle actually is playing from ahead, not Los Angeles. Uh, such that maybe Carson has more upside or more uh, opportunity to be involved. And, you know, this Los Angeles side is forced into a more pass heavy uh, game script than they would like to be, I guess, assuming if if they were winning. Uh, Right. I
1: think you expressed the concerns, but that's to me, I think the more appealing side is the Seahawks side based on the context of the slate. The Rams are favored in this game. I don't know what, what's going to impact ownership more that people are scared that the Rams are run heavy or that the Seattle secondary is so bad that they're going to just going to exploit it regardless. I mean, cause like, it's like, Oh, uh, Seattle could, you know, the, the Rams could throw all over the Seahawks, but I mean, do they need to, if they're going to run the ball 60% of the time, but I think Russell Wilson is going to be, I think all the most of the ownership is going towards Allen and Murray in that game. I mean Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. So I mean it's not like he's not going he's going to come in unowned. But we have him. We have Russell Wilson projected owned at single digits. Goff, we have more owned in this game than Wilson, and then plus we have the whole wide receiver cornerback crap with Jalen Ramsey and with DK Metcalf and Metcalf's probably going to be single digit again. I mean, we saw it with last week. you oh, can't play him against Tredavious white. And they don't realize that DK Metcalf is just a freak of nature. So it doesn't even matter. Uh, so I take a look at, at this and go, well, I'd rather the Rams be a- ahead in a competitive game and a three point, seven point type of game. And then play, instead of playing golf and woods and cup, you know, and spend two set six K receivers I think it's 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 compared to the ownership, it may be more beneficial to play a skinny single stack with Wilson plus plus either Lockett or Metcalf, than either Cup or Woods. And then if the Rams do start running the ball more, like it kind of sucks all all of like all the golf ceiling it sucks off of, and it's going to suck off of the uh, the double stack ceiling. Like Cup could get there, Woods could get there, but as they're running the ball more, like both of them at the same time, probably not. And and lean more towards that only because of ownership. If you told me the Seattle side was more owned, then I'd be, yeah, golf is cheaper, right? And Cup and Woods are cheaper, but they're also more owned. Cup, we have projected owned as 17%, Woods at 13%. We have Lockett at 16%. So, I mean, this game is still being owned, but probably not owned at the level of Arizona and Buffalo. But when I see DK Metcalf at 7,600 for 8% ownership, when you could, when you could play tight ends, you could play Jacob Hollister. You could play Gerald Everett. You could, I mean, if you're going to double stack, I'd rather double stack with some cheap tight end or Josh Reynolds or something, you know, so my stack size doesn't get exorbitantly expensive. Uh, And I think that's, that's a way to play a high total, somewhat chalky, but not that chalky game in a somewhat different way. And you could still play Mike Davis in
2: that one. Yeah. Um, no, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I I think it's a game where you definitely want to structure your kind of game stacks around some, uh, game script, you know, if you're building around Los Angeles, uh, being run heavy plan accordingly, um, and vice versa. Uh, there's just, you know, some teams that, uh, Los Angeles in particular, Seattle, I think has less been less, um, I guess they're, they're, uh, plan of attack has been less tied to the competitiveness of the game this year than in previous years, but Los Angeles really more so than Seattle. uh, There's potential for it to kind of, for game script to be highly, highly um, impactful and kind of the way you'd plan for a game stack. Okay. Next game
1: on the docket. 51 total Broncos at the Raiders in the dome in Las Vegas. Uh, it's a uh, 20, 28 implied total for the Raiders, 23 for the Broncos. Uh, Waller is expected to be the chalkiest tight end on the slate. So I'm going to go here and pull up our, our preliminary ownership from Jamino's hamster wheel. And uh, yeah, basically the tight ends are the uh, the, the own pieces in this game. Uh, at, we may get uh, uh, Lock and Carr may get for cheap quarterbacks, they'll be like the popular cheap guys, but still they're coming in at three and 5% ownership uh, because obviously you can only roster one quarterback. So that's quarterback ownership is kind of like, you don't have to care that much about, but as far as the skill position players, like Jacobs, 9% Judy, 7% and then like nothing. And this game has a 51 total. Uh, I, I know that these aren't the most appealing offenses and. Like the Raiders could spread the ball around. I mean, outside of Waller, I'm not a big fan of single stacking car with just Waller, uh, but you could do it. And then running it back with a Judy or a Patrick or, or something like that. Uh, it just, it it seems like it, this is a game I may want to target because it was going to be under-owned, but it'll be very hard to figure out what pieces. To me, I I see Jacobs at under 10% being like, if I'm going to play anyone in this game, like, why don't I just play Jacobs as a one-off and then not worry, and then hope he gets 30 carries and just runs over the Broncos.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he makes sense as kind of the most uh, likely individual skill player, um, you know, to achieve a ceiling game. I mean, I'm pretty interested in Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas side. Uh, I Who mean- do you stack with? Tell, tell me, tell me. You have Waller and then who, and then who,
1: Aguilar, Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro. I mean, like, like who's your wide receiver? Like how does car, car understand the car is cheap. So it's like, I don't need 30 points from car. I could get by with 25. So do you think there's a need for one of the wide receivers? Because let's say car throws for 300 yards. Waller gets two touchdowns in a hundred yards. And all the other receivers are just like four for 50, four for 50, four for 50 spread around like it's not like they're all cheap I mean rugs is 4,500 Aguilar's 4,900 I mean Edwards may I mean he's probably gonna be the fourth wide receiver it's like I I hey they look like a cool vomit stack to me it's just like like it's like seems like the cults to me like how do I pick out the guy that's gonna do well
2: yeah I mean Aguilar would be the guy I'd be in favor of he so far this year has had good correlation with both Carr and Waller like they're uh you know, our ways have been ways at least so far this year that Waller and Aguilar both get there. Uh, You know, he's got pretty solid 0.38 correlation with Carr. So, you know, I have like good confidence in that if Carr has an exceptional game, puts up 300 yards, three touchdowns uh, feel reasonably good that, you know, Aguilar will have uh, at least an at value or above value game. so I don't know. To me, he would be the guy that I would pull as like a double stack with with Waller uh, and Carr. On the Broncos side, uh, yeah, I mean, Fant has had a super stable role really all year until last week. Uh, Judy has been on, on the rise. Uh, I mean, Tim Patrick saw a decent amount of targets uh, last week and was kind of the only – uh, Denver guy. I mean, Locke, Fant, Judy all had a really big ownership boost last week. Uh, Tim Patrick's ownership stayed more or less flat. Um, and there have been times, uh, this year where he has been the leading receiver over Judy. Uh, you know, we could be seeing, I think it's pretty common for some of these, uh, rookie receivers to really ascend in the second half of the season. So we might be seeing that with Judy. Um, but if he's going to be, uh, Significantly higher ownership than Tim Patrick, which I assume he will be, uh, you know I think that could be a bring back route to go um, well
1: because and- you're not bringing it back with fan you, you're not playing a double tight end lineup
2: yeah, no, I guess not you're right um,
1: right I mean I, I to me that's that's not optimal that's why I look at this and go like how do I i need to play in a wide receiver that is either on the Raiders That's why to me, the skinny stack makes more sense car waller Judy or Patrick, or at least with Locke. See, because now now the thing is you can't do Lock fant because the runback would be Waller. So like, it seems like Fant is like the odd man out and he's going to be 13, we, we projected 13% down. Like the, the positions don't line up. It's like, unless you want to play a double tight end lineup, but I t- tend to stay away because yeah. the tight ends don't have the highest of ceilings typically at the position. So like... I feel like if I want to take shots on this game and I want to try for rugs and Agalites, I feel like I need to build 20 lineups to just this stack, and which is fine. You just have to invest, you basically have to invest more money into it. And I'm much more likely to like, can I get away with, uh, if I'm playing 100 lineups, can I get away with 10 skinny stacks of this game on each side rather than try to just like nail, you know, nail the Hunter Renfro two touchdown game that may or may never happen.
2: Yeah. Um... That makes sense, and I think for me, the one knock against Los or well, one of the knocks against Las Vegas side is that uh, I think there are real ceiling concerns with Carr, and like Waller, I think has has a nice ceiling, but like Aguilar hasn't proven to have a particularly high ceiling as part of this offense. Uh, you know, Carr in his career with Las Las Vegas has always been a guy who I feel like frequently median projects pretty well, but he rarely um, like. You know, Locke, I think we we saw last week, has clearly the higher ceiling than carr, um, even though carr might median project a little better. And uh, you know, for tournament purposes, I think lack of a ceiling is a fair concern and and you know, maybe one reason to not be as high on this game as the total uh would suggest. But um for me just the, the 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 pricing on the Las Vegas side in particular relative to team total is just really, really cheap. Um i think makes it worth some consideration for me
1: right you just have to realize that Carr and Locke are not the greatest of quarterbacks and maybe they'll turn into pumpkins right <laughs> they'll, they could turn into pumpkins and talking about pumpkins autumn is in the air and manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming and i know i know it's past halloween by the way I know that this, this copy is like 12 days old. Why, why, why isn't there a turkey reference in here yet? <laughs> it, feels, it feels like it should, we're doing Halloween copy still. But, uh, but of course, when, when they're talking about pumpkins, that they, they mean your boys downstairs, right? Your balls, right? In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. Like I, I, I expected turkey metaphors in the, in this ad read I I had all all the jokes planned for turkey and stuffing right don't blow your stuffing right we, we can't don't don't even try to insinuate what that means but uh but you need to take care of your balls you need to take care of your private parts if you're a man or or female or whatever I don't want to get now I'm gonna get into trouble for this okay let's see if I can get through this ad read without offending anyone <laughs> Let's not forget it's the best tri- best trimmer for your butt, balls, and your body, like the Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer. It offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents, right? Especially people coming over for Thanksgiving, right? You don't want to be sitting there going, you know, like, what, what, what's that blood spot on your, on your, in your crotch area? Like, oh, you don't want to explain that to your crazy uncle, right? They also have the new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer that uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, right? You got you to smell fresh for Thanksgiving. You're probably doing Thanksgiving over Zoom, right? Right. It's going to get to the point. when is anyone going out for Thanksgiving for this year? Because obviously, you know, the, the cases are coming up. So maybe, 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 you do it for your significant other, whatever, and just like if, if you have if you have an accident or, or you, you're, maybe your, your balls are a little bit stanky, right? You just do it over Zoom so you don't even bother going. So you should still do it for yourself, right? Because you have the crop cleanser body wash, a full body wash that you could also use on your hair, not at the same time, on all forms of your hair. Don't, don't, don't transfer from one hair to the other hair. Like just get more. That's why you get more of the product. So so don't try, don't try to try try to conserve this. Uh crop mop ball wipes. You never know when an opportunity strikes. So you should always be prepared. And it even says here, plus, you don't want to stink when you sit around that Thanksgiving dinner, right? What's that smell? I it better be the cooking because it's not me. If you suffer from stank foot or stand on your feet all day, then I have a product for you. The foot duster, foot deodorant. It's a free gift as part of the package. The cooling tea tree oil offers a pleasant experience for the stankiest feet, and allows you to take your shoes off in confidence, even if you're on Zoom for your Thanksgiving dinner. The Manscape refined cologne is a cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your date, even even, even on Zoom. They, 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 smell smell fine for your pets, even fine. So 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 they they, they don't run away because because you're because you're because of your ball sweat, right? The crop cleanser, hair, and body wash was designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin clean, fresh, moisturized, and reinvigorated. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free. I don't know what that is, but it's not in there. So you know your manhood. It is in good hands. You can get all of this. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped, with a D at the end.com. dot com. With the code Roto R O T O, get it just in time for your Thanksgiving dinner, right? Get twenty percent off and free shipping at Manscaped.com with the code Roto. Make your balls a priority this fall. The next time, by the way, uh, I, I know I know Devin. Devin's producing the show. Uh, let Let's see if if, if, if if let's see if we can get some Thanksgiving copy or then Christmas copy. It feels, it feels like we're still at Halloween. It stills like, it's, it still feels like I'm, I'm, I'm decorating and, and putting a costume on my balls for this <laughs> reason. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, I don't, I don't feel like a, a completely transparent of like, like, no, no, not, now that we're going into Thanksgiving. So there, a lot of people uh, apparently uh, li- li- like my Manscaped read. So I try, I tried, I tried being extra creative and, uh, Based on what what I said, uh, it may we we may never get them as a sponsor again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we as a society like skip Thanksgiving now. It used to be like Halloween and then Thanksgiving and then Christmas preparation didn't start till after Thanksgiving. But now it's like oh, all right, November first, like put up your lights. Uh, you know, December to remember sales event, like the whole thing. So um, I mean, they might just have to fast forward right to Christmas. Uh, That's
1: fine, fine. I, w- I, w- I want I want Christmas references. I need my sexual innuendos and my genitalia references to be up to date with the holidays. There was no Columbus Day ad read. There was no Veterans Day ad read. Why wasn't there a Veterans Day ad read? The so- people at Manscaped need to the, the, the copywriters there. Need need to they, come on. We we need we need new stuff to talk about. But uh, to talk about new stuff, let's get to the next game. This game has actually come up in total. It started it opened at 48. Now it's up to 50 and a half. It is the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, at the Carolina Panthers. Tampa Bay with a 28 implied total. Panthers with a twenty two and a half and a half total. Obviously, the chalkiest player on the slate is in this game, Mike Davis, uh, with Christian McCaffrey out and DraftKings falling asleep at the wheel, thinking that he's never going to get injured again. Uh, priced down uh, Mike Davis to minimum price at $4,000. Uh, but on the Buccaneers' side of the ball, uh, we're not gonna see really really much owned for, for 28 total. I mean, I'm gonna look here. I know Brady had a horrible game, uh, you know, the past out against the Saints. Uh, but like no one in this game is owned. I mean, outside of Davis, even like Anderson and Moore, like they're owned more than any buck. Godwin six percent, Fournette two percent, Evans two percent, uh out a 28 total, I'm going to assume that the Buccaneers are high in the list. Is is the issue with the Bucks that now with Antonio Brown in the mix that like Brady could be a fine you know obviously he doesn't rush the ball so compared to like Murray and Allen and those guys his ceiling could be capped. He's more in the line of like an Aaron Rodgers type. Uh, do you just think that it's hard to stack with Brady because like he could get his ceiling and then none of the receivers can because he spread it around to eight different guys.
2: Yeah. I, I would guess that is the concern. Cause I mean, God, the Tampa Bay side is so cheap. Um, you know, Godwin is six Evans is six, two. Like when's the last time we've seen both those guys combined to be priced that low. Um, and I mean, talk about, I think we discussed a while ago, like, you know, Marvin Jones and Galladay is, a pair that when at full price, we don't really like to consider in the same lineup, but when their prices come down, it is a little more palatable. I mean, is it crazy to think that we could, even though, you know, Godwin and Evans have modest negative correlation that, it, you know, combined 12.2 K that, you know, they might be able to fit into the same lineup. I guess though, yeah, the concern is like Tampa Bay has become new Orleans esque and that they really do spread around like touchdowns could go to Gronkowski who is know had a an increased role i guess over the course of the year and you know now you insert antonio brown into the mix um yeah i mean i there's not like uh any of those receivers that are just you know the guaranteed guy if brady goes off but i mean at the price point and for the, the game total uh you know i think it's worth taking some shots um you know if people are going to completely avoid the tampa bay side because they can't you know, feel confident about any one of those guys being, you know, white clear, like wide receiver one. I don't know. I think it's worth taking some shots. Um,
1: I also think the secondary correlations, I think this game, if Mike Davis, we currently have projected owned initial ownership projections of 58% in large field GPPs, but with all these other guys, single digit, like you're going to see Mike Davis, one-offs non-correlated, to anyone. And the, and Mike Davis is a pass catcher. So it's like, it's not like he's game script independent. So obviously leverage point would be taking like Robbie Anderson instead, like fading Mike Davis, take Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel. even. But I think even if you're not going to play Brady, like why not have lineups? If you're going to play Davis, play Godwin, play Evans, like pick, pick your poison. I'm not saying the one over the other play Gronkowski fine, fill your tight end spot, you know, since tight end tends to be a wasteland like fill And just, if you're going to play Davis, why don't you play Gronkowski in that lineup? So, Mm -hmm. so I think that this is a good opportunity to build chalky Mike Davis lineups that now differentiate you while being correlated with the other side that uh, obviously big plays and touchdowns get scored. More plays are available and more points are available. To, to Mike davis so why not just take advantage of that
2: yeah I, I think that sounds like a good approach um i i mean i think i am just given the price interested in trying some Tampa bay stacks i, I know that you're you're uh, you know dealing with a uh, potentially crowded uh receiving core but uh at, at the prices they're at i mean there there's some some real upside for uh really any of those tampa bay receivers and uh you know potentially even combination or pair of those receivers so um well, let's
1: go to the complete opposite type of team from the buccaneers the next game on the docket the law lo- it looks like the last game that has a 50 plus total it's uh, the jaguars at the P- packers uh 50 total packers are currently favored by 13 and a half they have a 31.75 implied team total the jaguars have an 18.25 team total and uh we're going to see two of the chalkiest uh, expensive options at their positions in Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. But like who's, who's more condensed, what offense is more condensed than the Packers? I mean, between Rogers Adams and Jones, I mean, that's where all the ownership is and, but that's where all the points are. So we currently have Adams projected at 30% ownership. Jones at nearly thirty percent ownership. Obviously, it's easy to fit one of them in with Mike Davis at four K, and you may get some other cheaper value options that you could find. Uh, is this a is this is this game stackable? Is James Robinson as a nearly two touchdown favorite on the other side, sixty six hundred, worth a ceiling shot? Is Shark uh, worth a ceiling shot? I see this game as. As you take Adams or you take Jones in lineups, you don't play them together and you hope that, I mean, because they're expensive. I mean, we're talking about Devontae Adams at 9,000 and all these ceilings have to do with touchdowns. And we have Alan Lazard probably back. Tanya could, Tanya could steal a touchdown. Jamal Williams will be back. So maybe Jamal Williams gets 40% of the work and Aaron Jones, you know, he could still get there in 60% of the snaps. So I take a look at this and go, if they're going to be 30% owned each, I don't like, I don't know how you, how you, you're playing it for raw points. I mean, I can, I understand playing both. I, 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 they're good plays. It's just a matter of like, do I play Rogers Adams? Jark? Like it, it, it doesn't seem like the type of game that if the Jags are competitive, like I just, how does Aaron Jones get there?
2: Um. Yeah, it probably doesn't, or he factors in a big way in the receiving role. Um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a game where probably just have to be willing to eat one of those pieces of chalk, either Jones or Adams. And, um, you know, because I do think they figure a strong plays with, you know, high projectability and, uh, you know, projectability for usage. Um, so I, I think, yeah, just, just eat the chalk on one of those two guys and, and try to stack up a different game. Um,
1: but I mean, how what how about how about playing Rogers plus I mean, you have to assume Rodgers plus Adams is gonna get owner. I mean, Rodgers is coming in projected at seven, eight percent ownership. The problem is is like who do I play on the other side of the game? Like sure. who like to, to me, if this game is competitive, like it actually turns out to be competitive, I'd almost rather stack from the other side. I'd almost rather play the like the cheaper side and then use Jones or Adams as my run back. Okay. Um not saying I'm going to do that. I'm just saying if it is comp- like I don't see the Jaguars hitting a ceiling, any of their guys hitting a ceiling, unless it's a closer game than expected. Yeah. Unless, unless, unless this is the type of game where it's like screw the run back, just play the stack and just move, move on with your life.
2: Yeah. I mean, it could be one of those games. I mean, I think we had a you know similar game with New York, uh, Kansas City, and like the New York bringback was feasible because there were you know, three to 4k pieces on the other side that projected for pretty decent volume on the Jacksonville side, like, you know, you have Chenault, but he hasn't been getting much usage lately. And then, you know, the pieces that you would want to bring back are not, you know, 3.5k, you know, Denzel Mims, they're, you know, full price chart, full price James Robinson. Um, I don't know, I mean, like, Chris Conley could be worth a dart throw. Um, He'd, you know, had a big usage week last week and is kind of fits that mold of being super cheap. Um, but I think there's less confidence in like Chris Conley having, you know, full uh, kind of high volume role than we had with like a Denzel Mims or Berrios getting a full, uh, you know, full, uh, full usage role. So um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, could be like, you know, you could go just Adams, Rogers, skinny, and then figure, you know, they get there in three quarters. And not bring anyone back. Um, I don't know. For me, I think I prefer to just take Adams or take Jones, uh, and then look to stack elsewhere.
1: Okay, so now we got the bucket of six games that have under a fifty total. Uh, I, I, I. There's, there's one appealing off the board vomit stack that that I like, and I know that there's one that that you like. I'm assuming the one that. Because a lot of times we align, and I don't know if we're going to align on this one, uh, on these two. I think I'm more on your side on on this one, and you may be completely wacky. You think I'm wacky for another one. I'm assuming that with the Browns and the Texans game, it opened at 54. It's now down to 49. So it's come down five points. That if if, uh, Mayfield, who's off the COVID list, I'm assuming he's going to start. That like Mayfield plus Landry plus Hooper and then like Duke Johnson on the other side or Cooks on the other side. Like that to me, that that to me, that makes for a natural mid range stack where then you could just play Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. You could play Mike Davis in that lineup, Aaron Jones. You could essentially play just jam your lineup with like the chalk. And if the stack gets there, like you win, right? I, I'm I'm assuming you're on the Browns even though the total has come down, but they still have a 26 and over 26 implied total, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a total per dollar is, is quite strong. Um, you know, super, super cheap stack. If you look at like Mayfield, Landry Hooper, um, you know, typically I don't like doing running back plus quarterback, but, uh, you know, hunt, I think is one of these running backs that makes more sense as part of a stack than others. Um, I wouldn't say he's like Camara level, um, you know, sensibility for stacking with QB. But uh, yeah, it's super cheap. Um, there is pretty decent in a small sample, a correlation between like Hooper uh, and Landry. Um, you know, I think this uh, so There's good correlative properties there. I mean, the concern and like, I think we've discussed on this show, Cleveland before is just like, Man, I mean, their their total always just seems to be higher than our comfort level with in playing them, and like the ceiling on really all three of those guys—Mayfield, uh, Landry, and Hooper—is just super limited. Um, like, you know, you they just, just
1: tend—they just tend to run the ball so much
2: yeah. that that no
1: one Landry can't get a thirty-point game because they're just not throwing enough. You need to hope in this game that there's some broken play or the Texans get out to a two touchdown lead like that. I mean, obviously that, I mean, that's, that's how ceilings get opened up, but yeah. from a natural standpoint, Cleveland, if they're ahead, they would just rather just not have
2: Mayfield throw the ball. Right. Exactly. So um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think when I was looking, I, I, I kind of fill out my, uh, you know, fill out my my chart and data in a certain order. Um, ceiling is one of the, the later things I get to. And I first just started like, Team total blowout risk salary historic ownership and correlation and like by those metrics Cleveland just looks really great and then I started kind of adding up you know possible ceilings for this trio of players and I was like oh like that's really not very good and uh, I know they're super cheap but uh, I mean like we have them as a a ceiling of like fifty fantasy points you know it's just like no matter how cheap they are that's just not a very good ceiling for a double stack um so well maybe you're
1: not going to like my favorite vomit stack of the week
2: i might because i still got some some games left that i that i like and i'm interested in so go
1: okay. for it so oh you want to talk about multiple ones okay i was going to bring up uh pro- probably the cheapest stack for the implied total the, yeah, well, in comparison to the implied total it's uh miami dolphins 25.25 implied total it's a 48 total in the game Chargers twenty two point seven five implied total. Tua is under six k. Parker is five thousand. Jakeem Grant is three thousand. The run back's Keenan Allen. What? What? Where, where? When? When does DraftKings send me the million dollars?
2: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it's it, the stack kind of builds itself. Um, I mean, we were talking about at the top of the show how Keenan has negative correlation with Herbert. So, like, to me, that negative correlated or, or at least you know, loosely correlated receiver is just the perfect guy to bring back, not stack. So, um, you know, I think Keenan is just like the ideal fit for a guy who, he, at least so far, the data suggests it's not really him plus Herbert isn't as viable of a stack as you would think, even though both players have had really great games, uh, they seem to have not aligned so far. And maybe that's just noise. Um, so if that's the case, like, great. Like, just give me Keenan and, and, you know, I'll drop Herbert. Uh, yeah, it's super cheap. I mean, Tua, Jakeem Grant figures to be in a decent role. Um, you know, you got Parker, uh, no, I'm totally with you. I mean, I got, I got three stars, uh, next, next to this one. Um, I think that's, I think that's a solid stack for the price for the total. Um, and you could always
1: use gazeki I mean, like if you want to fill it, instead of using Grant, you could use Gazicki in a tight end spot. Opens up another wide receiver one-off. And I also think that Keenan Allen at 7,100, uh, I mean, he'll be he'll be owned. I mean, we haven't projected 17% owned. But with the other games, you'll see Lockett and Metcalf. You'll see Diggs. You'll see Hopkins. You'll see uh, Devontae Adams. I mean, there's there are more owned, higher price wide receivers that I even think that Keenan Allen's ownership is going to be lower than 17 or 18%. He could come in at 14 13 14%. And I think it, it, uh, and then Grant and Parker are going to be owned also. So, I mean, we have Grant at 13%, Parker at 9%. So it's not like this is like off the board, but like the stack, like, I don't think people are going to stack the game. I mean, this is the type of thing where they're going to play one-offs, but I think the fear in this game is that the game is going to move too slow, right? But you play for a busted play. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to invest a ton of money into these stacks, but I think I I'm more likely. I think I feel like I could predict the ceilings of the Dolphins better than I can the Raiders. So like I think the Raiders are in a better spot, but like outside of Waller, who knows? It seems like here on the Dolphins, if like Tua could rush a touchdown, I mean he could have 40 yards rushing and a touchdown. Parker could. I mean they're so ch- 3,000 for Jakeem Grant. He could be he could be in the winning GPB lineup with 12 points in this stack with no problem. And uh, I just think it builds itself. Is there any other uh, stacks that you're looking at?
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess not really. I I had uh, just a little star next to Pittsburgh. Just, I think I have a decent total relative to price, but uh, I think some real correlation concerns between like really any three of those receivers. It just seems to be one, but not the others, uh, at least so far. And I think that makes it a difficult game to stack up. Um you also have the Saints at a 29.25 implied total but
1: to me like how do you how do you stack how do you stack this game with to me like you're playing Kamara or Thomas as a one off and just like yeah hopefully they get there cuz Thomas is cheaper now at 7400 and Kamara is is going to be low owned cuz he's 8200 people are going to pay down at running back or pay up for Aaron Jones they're paying up for wide receivers so I think, I mean, Kamara offers like price and position leverage, but I don't think Thomas is going to be that popular. I mean, he'll be owned. So like, like taking a look at ownership that we currently have, we have, uh, yeah, Thomas at 7% not, well, currently it says 18% Kamara, 7% Thomas, but I, I believe in our ownership projections. Now we have uh, Drake in and then not Edmonds. I think if Edmonds is in, it totally eliminates the Kamara ownership, uh it's just it's it's hard like there's so many better quarterback options with ceilings than breeze yeah. i know it's at home i know it's in a dome uh but i i to me secondary stack you play Kamari you play Ayuk. okay i could see that you play Thomas you play mcKinnon or something or you do a, something you know like one one type of thing yeah. but but i mean i'm assuming the saints are up on your list it's just it's it's i had it's it's kind of hard it, hard to three plus one this.
2: Definitely. I mean, they're they're the second highest uh, likely team to score the most points. But yeah, I mean, like New Orleans and Tampa Bay have a lot of similarities in that they have, you know, statue quarterbacks that can really throw to just a whole bevy of receivers who, um, you know, we like if we had, you know, really high confidence that we like for stacking purposes, like if we had really high confidence that if the quarterback goes off, it's likely to be through the receivers. Like, I mean, look at a New Orleans game last week in the Sunday night. I mean, boy, Breeze had, like, what, three or four touchdowns and through to, like, Josh Hill and um, – you know, Troutman got a touchdown, finally. Um, did Cook get one? I mean, uh, maybe – or, like, Callaway or Harris. Like, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, Breeze went off, and, like, both Kamara and Thomas had pretty underwhelming games. I think they had – massively underwhelming games. I think they both had a little, uh, you know, snowflakes next to them. So, you know, that that's like the concern. And while that concern exists for a team like Tampa, like Tampa's just so much cheaper. Um, and I think I have maybe a little more confidence in the condensed uh, target share at Tampa. Like it's not a highly condensed, but to me, I mean, New Orleans is all over the map. I mean, Taysom Hill could be getting touchdowns like it, New Orleans is really tough to project who is going to be the beneficiary of, you know, an achieved high total. And for that reason, I think they become difficult to stack up. So
1: You could always take a shot. You could always take a shot. Million dollars, $10, $20 in a dream. Uh, you could find uh, Stuart, the king of correlation, at uh, advancedsportsanalytics.com. And if you're listening to this today on Thursday... That that correlation tool, go check it out. It's gonna, it's going to be free. You could go there, go to the site, use it for the Titans and the Colts showdown. Which I mean, obviously, you could use it for the Thursday, Monday, or whatever slate they're on, and 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 see see if it uh, if it fits within your process. If you want to use that, and then you could sign up for for uh, for ASA or you, as well as Lineup HQ. Those hand in hand to build your lineups. A Core Four premium subscription you can get right now. Five dollars off your first month rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. Get that $5 off the FanDuel single entry series, the Manscaped, right? Take care of your balls as well as your lineups. So uh, so for Stuart Gibson, I'm Jordan Cooper, AKA Blenderhead You can find me on Twitter there. This has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com.